RadioInfluence.com. You've seen Chef Brian Duffy on Spike TV's Bar Rescue, NBC's Today Show, and opening bars and restaurants all over the world. Now he's sharing his stories, his friends, and some tips of the trade he's learned along the way. Prepare yourself to get Duffified. This is Duffified Live with Chef Brian Duffy on Radio Influence. Good afternoon or good evening. I'm not quite sure. Oh, it is. It's going to be morning. There we go. Got this figured out. Uh, Hey, everybody. It is me, Chef Brian Duffy. Uh, Brian Duff, whatever you want to call me. I'm good with it. I really don't give a shit. I got Duff balls. I got Duff. I got B-Duff. I got Bry. I got Brother. A uh, buddy of mine calls me B. Diddy. I got pork chop. I got chef. So go for it. Whatever you feel the need. I'm uh, good with it. Uh, welcome to Duffified Live. Got a fun one for you this week. A little bit off the beaten path for us. The way we're going to do some stuff. Um, but I'm going to get into that in just a minute uh, after I talk to you guys about this. I need you guys to do me a favor because we got sponsors. I got to take care of them because they're awesome people. But uh, our sponsors are kind of fun because the ones that we talk to, uh, especially their big one, is uh, Mr. Nogginware. Uh, Nogginware is uh, amazing up there in Connecticut. They do an awesome job. Go and check them out right now. Uh, tell them that I sent you. That's Chef Bryduff. Um, they have hats. They have super cool hats. They do all of my hats for the restaurants. They're taking care of a bunch of custom stuff for me. Nogginware.com. Go and talk to my buddy Scott. Tell him that I sent you. That's how I feel about that one. All right, so we got that out of the way. Uh, we need to uh, uh, talk about a couple of things that I noted uh, throughout the week that we had going on. What did I do this week? I cooked. I cooked like a motherfucker this week. Um, I had a whole bunch of fun um, uh, in the restaurant over the last two weeks, really, where I got to go out. I got to play. Um, I was in the kitchen, and it, it's been a while since I've really spent – quality quality time in one of my kitchens so um this was big for me this was a big kind of wake up and a big kind of uh um a blast really it it was kind of eye-opening and it was really kind of um uh, therapeutic for me to get into the kitchen and work with my guys and my girls and work with my staff and spend the amount of time with them that I really really uh missed because that's what we do that's how we got into this business or that's how I got into this business now realize for those of you who are listening to this right now that this podcast is not just about the business but because I'm in the restaurant business that's what I talk about most of the time but we do have a lot of other fun stuff that we chat about but for this week we're going to talk about this uh, this stuff that I've been talking about going into the restaurant, hanging out with the crew. You know, I woke up uh, Wednesday morning this week, and uh, it was kind of funny because I was in the restaurant. Um, you know, I had to uh, I had to release my exec um, last week. Uh, kind of unfortunate because he's a friend. I've known the guy for many many years. I've known him for eighteen years, uh, and I had to let him go. Um, I was, uh, uh, he's a wonderful human being. He's a phenomenal chef, but, uh, we just kind of got to the point that, uh, I really wasn't happy with hundred percent of what was going on in the kitchen. Uh, I saw a lot of recipes being changed. I thought, saw a lot of the quality items that I really believe in and that I hold true that were changing. Um, 
And one of those was one of my chicken sandwiches that I was just, I was infuriated when I found this process um, of, of where we were and what they were doing to a, to a, it's a, it's a fried chicken sandwich, man. You know, we do, uh, we take a beautiful thigh, a free bird thigh, we marinate it, we then sous vide it for about four hours, um, and then we pull them out, we chill them, and then we bread them. Makes for a very, very tender, very juicy fried chicken sandwich, especially with the double batter that happens on the outside and then a spiced breadcrumb that goes on the outside of that. We then top it off with a smoked fennel slaw, which is like one of my favorite things to do the last couple of weeks and months, year, whatever. I don't know. I've been having a a boatload of fun with it. I just love the flavor of smoked fennel. Um, And we do that and it's just a great sandwich. Well, unfortunately, the recipe had changed and it just turned into what, what I, can only, I, I can only kind of describe as a piece of shit fucking McDonald's chicken finger. Uh, is what we were putting out, um, and it, and it, it made me mad. We still used a great product, but it just looked like shit. So I uh, that really was was kind of something that I, I had to just step away from. Uh, we changed it. We brought it back. We got the right product in. I'm super happy about that. Um, but that was a big mem- moment. That was a big defining moment for me because I've given this responsibility to somebody for a really long time, and the quality of my food had suffered. Uh, the staff, uh, we had a constant rotation of staff um, through just a uh, just not educating. You know, I'm a huge believer that we need to educate our staff. We need to spend time with them and train them. We are telling them, and this is in any business, we are telling them that they need to do our vision. They need to execute our vision. But then at the same time, we're not training them truly what the vision is. So here, here so it basically comes down to this. I, I, there's a saying that I, I, I've gotten involved in a long time, and it's basically that you know we live in a in a in a roadmap of life, and and that if we try to get people to do things on that map without giving them the proper instruction, the proper direction, the proper etiquette, um, the proper technique, then guess what? They're really running down that path on that roadmap and they're running blindly. blindly. There's no ways. There's no Google Maps for them. They're doing it blindly. And then we get mad at them that they're not doing it properly. Um, And uh, it's really not their fault. So... You get frustrated, and there's something that I've said in business for a really long time: is that people quit people; they don't quit. They don't quit a job. You know, you'll put up with working at a place that isn't the greatest atmosphere sometimes if the people around you are really good. So it's our job to make sure that we are really, really good at what we do, and that we spend time teaching and coaching. And I'm not going to say coddling, but we need to take care of our staff because they're taking a vision that I've had. And they're executing that vision. And as I say all the time, and you guys have heard me say it in the past, we are um, in the business of uh, tough on standards and easy on people. So we need to make sure that we are all on the same page and uh, that we're executing, that we're teaching our staff and working with them because it's super important. Um, so, so I've done that. I'm really, really happy that I've been in the restaurant and, and that, that kind of woke me up a little bit. Um, you know, with all the traveling that I do and then, you know, you get involved in appearances and talking about TV and blah, 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 and all the bullshit that goes along with that. And you kind of lose, 
you lose sight of 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 where you are and really what you need to do. So I think I did that for a little bit, and I and I, I'm glad I'm back in the restaurant. Now I leave again next week. I've been home for three weeks. I'm really stoked about that. But I have to take off again next week. I got to go pay the bills. I got to go work. I got to go take care of some stuff. Um, but I'm going to be in much more communication with my staff within the restaurant. Um, the person that I put in charge, uh, we had a little roadblock this week, but I think that we're going to clean it up and we're going to take care of it. And I'm um, I'm stoked about that. Um, as far as things go uh, outside of that, uh, I'm heading to New Orleans next week. Uh, I'll be down there next week. Uh, I'm going down because I'm apparently going to be inducted as a new member of uh, Teak, the uh, fraternity. So anybody who's out there, if you are a Teak member, I am very, very soon going to be a member with you guys. So uh, I don't know if there's like a secret handshake that I'm going to know right now, but I'm hoping that I get to learn it. Um, and uh, I hope that I get to share that with you guys after that. So any of uh, my fellow brothers that are out there, that's the Tau Kappa Epsilon boys, uh, I'm excited and I'm super stoked and I appreciate the honor and I hope that I make you guys proud when I get down there. They're making me wear a suit so we'll see what happens. So anyway, I've got a great guy coming up. Um, this guy cracks me up. Uh, I have interviewed him in the past on another podcast that I used to do, and I really enjoyed talking to him. And one of the main reasons why I enjoyed talking to him is um, he's just a super funny guy, and he's a Twitter guy. Um, and and his his uh, his his name is is James Breakwell, and he is the exploding unicorn. Uh, he's a comedy writer. He's a pig owner. He's a dad of four girls, uh, ages seven and under. Uh, he writes in here that he's internet famous, he's real life nobody, and he wrote a thing that's called uh, Exploding Unicorn, um, and it is a, uh, a, he's got a book coming out as well, um, and it's called Only Dead on the Inside, A Parent's, to, a Parent's Guide to Surviving the Zombie Apocalypse. Let me try that again. Only Dead on the Inside, A Parent's Guide to Surviving the Zombie Apocalypse. Man, why can't I say apocalypse? Acopolypse. Oh my God apocalypse so uh this is something that's his uh he's pretty stoked about getting it out there and i am a fan of his i like his tweets that he puts out all the time i laugh at them uh and anytime we can laugh at somebody hell fuck it man let's be friends that's the way life works around here so uh everybody do me a favor and uh put your hands together or i do this every week i forget um turn your radios down because i curse uh, I don't want to ever lose my explicit rating. Um, and turn them down. Put the kids in another room or if you're in the car or on the plane. I hope you guys enjoy this. I hope you learn a little something about it. All right? So everybody do me a favor. Get ready for Exploding Unicorn. Mr. James Breakwell. What's up, James? How you been, brother? I am I am doing great. Happy to be back. I know, man. It's been uh, It's been a year. It has been. This is like a, a "Where are they now?" episode, except I'm not dead in a gutter yet. You know, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, <laughs> you're real live. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> this is like we're gonna have a real, a true, an e true Hollywood story. <laughs> Did you... Don't look at all. Yeah, it, 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 I think I think we're all surprised. I think we had uh, had drug dealer, or, you know, addict picked out for me, but I kept clean. I'm still raising four kids, still doing the Twitter thing. That's good. That's good. No drugs, so we're good with that. Yeah, the wife frowns on doing heroin in front of the children. She's got a big policy against that. But it's like the needles get, you know, sometimes they land on the ground and they get stuck in the kids' feet and then they're crying. You know, They, hurt, they the... hurt more than a Lego, man. It's rough. Yeah. You, you have a lot of bathrooms because if you're like passed out over the bathroom vomiting, if yeah, you only have yeah. one, that could suck. 
And I got, I live with five girls, you know, a oh wife and then four daughters. I can't be taking up a, a bathroom vomiting all the time. That's just not going to fly. Dude, I, uh, I have, I have four women in my house. Ooh, same yeah, boat. I do. I have four women. So I have my girls, my, and your kids are younger. Yours are all under seven. Yes. Oh, hold on. Let's do this. So, so. Uh, James, do me a favor. Tell everybody who you are real quick. I am uh, James Breakwell. I'm a, I'm a comedy writer on Twitter. I'm edging up on a million followers there. And I write about my, my family, my kids who are ages seven, five, three, and one, and my wife. And then I have a, I have a mini pig and a dog as well. <laughs> are they women? Are they females? The the pig is a female, yes. The dog is the only other male, but he's uh, he's not much help. <laughs> yeah, because he. I I think we. I don't know if we talked about this before. I dated a girl for a couple of years, actually, uh, a wonderful, wonderful person. Her name was Mary Bridget, and and oddly enough, she had sisters: Mary Christine, Mary Therese, Mary Ursula. <laughs> yeah, so they were all. It was, it was obviously a, a very good Jewish family, um, yeah. but uh, and the father was an avid hunter, and I'm talking like. Orvis and L.L. Bean decorated his house. Oh, wow. And uh, and he they had a dog. The girls had all bought a dog for him for Father's Day one year. And the, and he took the dog hunting to, like, the hunting club. And he shot the gun for the first time, and the dog ran whimpering back to the car. <laughs> so we're all kind of surrounded that. I have a 16-year-old daughter who's going to be 17. I have a 13-year-old daughter who's going to be 14. Oh. Um, and I have my sister lives with me. And my niece, who is 14, lives with me as well. My uh, my claim to fame is my kids are close enough together that all four daughters will be teenagers at the same time. When the oldest one's 19, the youngest one, I think, will be 13. Oh. And it's going to be uh, it's going to be an interesting experience. I, my, my, my tweets will either hit their golden age or it will just kill me one or the <laughs> other. It's not going to be any in between. Wow. That's uh, I, I mean, that's and you, so you're going to have. But how many in high school at the same time? So 13, you'll have a an eighth grader. Yeah, eighth Pretty grade much. or freshman in high school. Yeah, yeah. and then uh, yeah, fifteen, seventeen, and then nineteen. So I'd have one in college, presumably, unless you'll have something three goes horribly wrong. Yeah, if you fucked up. Yeah, um. <laughs> that's when that's when we know I should have spent more time raising my kids and less time tweeting. <laughs> exactly, and that'll come up in therapy. Don't worry about it. Oh, absolutely. There's absolutely. no doubt. Um, I uh, yeah, they're they're fun. I'll tell you this, dude, because you have girls. And and I don't know what kind of father you are. I'm a very communicative father with my girls. Um, we talk about everything. I, I really don't shy away from anything. Like the you know, I mean, I remember the first time that my daughter wore a bra, and I can't believe I'm talking about this. I'm glad she doesn't listen because she'd probably shoot me. <laughs> but I remember her running and jumping in bed and hopping on top of me. And it was like seven o'clock in the morning, and I reached and I like grabbed her a big bear hug, and I kind of and I my hand ran across her back, and I'm like, why why are you wearing two tank tops? <laughs> and my and my other daughter was like, "It's a bra, Dad." And and that moment, there's there's so like the whole everything flashed in front of me: the birth, holding her, walking, changing diapers. Every mo, everything was right in front of me. And I thought to myself, "This is the moment that will can make or break me as a father." And I just <laughs> looked at her and I put my hand up and I was like, "Way to go, kid!" And like high fived her. And we and and I swear that was a defining moment for me. So there you go, dude. 
that's that's the way to handle it. So yeah, my wife and I have a different division of labor. Like she's gonna handle all that stuff, all the all the bras and the the, the talk and all that, and I'll handle zombie survival. So I feel that's like good. we've done a very very fair split there. I, I like that a lot. I mean, you've got a big responsibility on your hands. Yeah, I mean, I'm literally keeping the family alive. And what is she doing? Just the day to day stuff. I mean, the come series, on, come on. The laundry's done. The clothes are folded. <laughs> you're in the fucking. You're you're like you're you're sharpening axes in the garage. Yeah, you know what? When you when you need it, you really need it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like if we if we if we mess up the laundry, we don't die. If we mess up zombie survival, that's it. <laughs> so what do you? I mean, so what is? So what's going on with you now? I mean, we talked a year ago. Your kids were a lot younger, but now they're really kind of growing up and getting personalities it, more than just the child, like the 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 very innocent, you know, infant stage. Yeah, they uh, they they, they don't get easier. <laughs> I've got a my one is seven. She's going into second grade, and I'm going, and then I got one going into kindergarten. And you never you never feel older than when your first kid starts school until then your second kid starts school. It's like yeah. my God, how did I, I? I remember when you were born. How can you be going to school? And and then it's it's tough because like you know when they're little, like you're you're in charge. You have absolute jurisdiction. You make the rules. You decide where they go. And then and then they get in school, and you're not in charge anymore like you have to be here at this day and this time and oh my god it's the worst it's oh it's like i did you know i I thought i was done with school but when your kids go back to school you go through school again exactly this you know the second grade teacher is suddenly in charge of your life it's like how did this happen i thought i was past this well have you are you have they changed the math program within your school yet they do the they do the common core math which is horrific yeah, I have not run. I mean, I I help with the homework a little, but the, most of the homework isn't math at this stage. But yeah, I've heard nothing but horror stories about it. I'm not looking forward to it. It it was they had in my daughter's school. I I won't I won't forget. I mean, it was uh, the beginning of middle school, so that puts your child around the 11 year mark, I guess, 11 years old. They had called all of the parents in, and they had classes to teach the parents how oh. to do the math. That, that um, is awful. Because it what it just wasn't, you know, five times five is not twenty-five anymore. It <laughs> is twenty-five, but the method of getting there, of memorizing a a, a multiplication table is just not the same. They yeah. have to figure it out. Which I love because I love that analytical part, but Yeah, they they find a way to make everything harder. I mean I <sighs> I, I'm an English major from college. Like I picked a college specifically so I would never have to take math again. That was my number one priority. So Where'd you go to college? I went to uh, I went to a college that closed. Believe it or not, colleges closed. I went to St. Wow. Joseph's College in uh, Rensselaer. Apparently, there's like there's like nine St. Joseph's colleges. Well, now there's eight because one of them yeah, exactly one's has gone. Some financial mismanagement and out of nowhere shut down. But it it shut down after I left. I'd like to think I was. I was the straw that broke the camel's sure. back. <laughs> Financially, you ruined them. I, I did. It took it took ten years after I left for them to realize the damage. But finally, they were like, "You know what? You have <laughs> those all those fine, you know, address labels we've been sending you for the envelopes. You haven't been sending back money it's all because of you." <laughs> Do I feel well, bad? Not at all. <laughs> well, I have. Uh, we I, I live around the corner from St. Joe's University in Philadelphia. Oh, do you? So okay. there you go. So I, I have I have one of the eight near me. Yeah, and it's still going strong because I didn't go there. So you're welcome. Right. Well, the, uh, well, and they're going super strong, dude, because they – the cardinal – no, the archbishop of Philadelphia, uh, when he just came into 
office, I guess, into I don't know what you call that when when a bishop yeah. or an archbishop. I, I know what you're talking about. Is the moved bishop. in. He, he got his bishop seat, his iron throne over yes. there. Yes. Well, he got rid of the iron throne. Oh. And he actually uh, sold his house. So the cardinal in Philadelphia had his own estate, which for many many years from the four, from the 40s, 50s, and 60s moving up was a massive massive estate, and it kind of little pieces of it got sold off. But he came in, and and you know one of those you know the vow of poverty is something that a priest takes, and he he moved into the seminary that's up the street. Wow. Yeah, and he was- is. If I'm not mistaken, he's in the seminary, and they sold the house too. Where I'm going to is St. Joe's University bought that. Oh, so they bought this mansion, this massive, beautiful, stunning old school Victorian mansion. They also bought a private school across the street. So what they did was they took the money from your school and put it into this place. <laughs> so let's say one thing I'm never going to do. If I ever get a job that comes with a mansion, I am not selling that mansion. Mm-hmm. I'm going to live there. Well, I'll take I'll take free room and board in a heartbeat. You know, he you was imagine actually- the, the next bishop after him, how disappointed he's going to be. So he's oh, like, where's my, my mansion? God, exactly. oh, oh, no, bro. You're going to go yeah. stay in this dorm room at a seminary. And you know the priest, is he, and he's going to be like, dick. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, <not, laughs> I'm going to go under... become Jewish now. <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> every, day, every day when he goes upstairs and he gets in the twin bed, uh, you know, in the college <laughs> dorm at the seminary, he's going to be like, thank God, <laughs> dick. You know, dorms are rough like when you're 18 or 19 and you can sleep on the floor and it doesn't matter like yeah. i can't imagine being like 60 or 70 and staying in something like that i mean <laughs> you can you can pull a muscle just rolling out of bed i mean that can't that can't be good for anything in your body sleeping in one of those rooms at that age but i think i think uh I, I got to a point in my age i mean i'm 46 now i remember the time that i got to a point where i was like you know what man i'm not sleeping on the floor <laughs> I'm not sleeping on a couch. I'm I'm like 29. I'm getting a hotel. You know, yeah. I, I there was there was a point for me that I had to get to there. Yeah, and you're like, you know, it's not worth saving the money and crashing no. on somebody's couch. You're just like, I'm old. I need a place to sleep, and it's no. it's a it's a big defining moment. It's you're that much closer <laughs> to death, but it happens to us all. And I'm I'm right there with you. I'm not, <laughs> not sleeping on anybody's couch. I was just talking to a friend of mine about going out to uh, uh, Denver, Colorado, in a, in in a couple months, and uh, how. Uh, her brother lives out there, and I said, uh, "I said, oh, it'll be great to go and see your brother and hang out." I said, and then go back to the hotel. <laughs> like I, I took it off the table right off the bat that I'm not sleeping in the guy's house. That is that is a smart move right there. And he's probably a really happy guy as well that I'm not sleeping in the house. So yeah, you get to a certain age, you just don't want people in your house. It's like we're we're rearranging our house right now. It's like, do we want a guest bedroom? No, no, we don't want a guest <laughs> no, bedroom because if you have a guest bedroom, you get guests, and that's not that's not <laughs> what we want. Now, now, where do you live? I live just outside Indianapolis. Indianapolis. Okay, so just so you know, I just did a property in Indianapolis. Did you? You yeah. know, I heard you on the radio. I was driving. They said they got. Oh yeah. I didn't actually hear the interview, but I heard him. You were on the Smiley Morning Show. Yeah, that's you? right. I love, what a yeah. good dude. They were teasing it. I was yeah, and I was like, I should listen to that. I talked to that guy. I talked you to him. You should have reached did. out to me, dude. I told we could have gone out and had a beer. That would have been epic, but you, you know what? I don't out plan of ahead, so I heard yeah, it like nine I. in the morning that you were going to be on the Smiley Morning Show. I was yeah. like, well, <laughs> nothing's going to happen there. <laughs> I planned my hotel room and my flight. Uh, that's what I got. So I got. So what you do? Like you, uh, you like fixed a restaurant or a bar? No, or what'd they you do? were. They're uh, they're actually really good guys. Uh, they own a couple of different bars, and if you're from Indianapolis, you'll probably know who they are. But it's uh, and I'll, I can say them. Um, so they own Joe's Grill. Okay. They own uh, the what's the gay bar in town? 
I, I am the not Ivy. Sure. It's called I the can't Ivy. Say I've been there. Yeah, that's okay. They own the place called the Ivy. They owned a place called Ten O One, which is what's the main drag through Indianapolis that has all the college bars? Uh, Broad Ripple. Broad Ripple. So this is on the corner of Broad Ripple and another street. Okay, and then Broad Ripple might not be the street; it might just be the area. But yeah, I'm not, yeah. I, I don't I don't know my Indianapolis streets super okay. well. Well, so they, I so will, they, they own a bunch of them. Then so they do, I, they do. I they own you. three bars, I think it is. So they own another one. What's the other one called? I have a sweatshirt around here somewhere. It's kind of a cool bar, but they own they own three bars out there, and they just opened up a new place with my buddy Michael Tips from the show. Um, he was the lead consultant on the project, and he uh, they they turned it into a place called. Uh, misbehaven. Oh, so okay. it's a really cool kind of sexy vibe. Good food, um, little small plates and stuff like that. Just really awesome handcrafted cocktails in the background. Um, it's a really neat vibe. So you know, it could be a nice night if with four girls. I know you're probably not going to take you up on this offer, but uh, <laughs> but get out of the house for a couple hours and go over. It's a really, it's very female friendly. Um, uh, they they did a really nice job. It's called Miss. Uh, Good behavior, misbehaving, I can't remember, but but it's out there. So awesome. I'll yeah, it's a cool place. That. A cool place. So um so so one of the things that I always that I we talked about last time that I, I'm I'm still very intrigued by is that you you have a professional life. You, you don't just write Twitter jokes for, 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 for a living. Um yeah, you have I, a I, job. I, I do have a job. That's what I was on my way to when I when I heard you were going to be on the radio. Right. So yeah, I have a job, and uh, they don't know about my double life. They have not figured it out. I have no idea how they haven't figured it out yet. But uh, and I always thought that like when I when I finally made it big, when I finally made enough money at writing, that I would like make a grand announcement, be like it was me the whole time, and just like storm out of there. Uh, but I think at this point, it's just kind of insulting that they've never heard of me. So I think I'm just going to disappear someday. Someday, I'm just not going to go back into work, and that's going to be it, and I'm never going to explain it. I mean, I've got my uh, my book coming out uh, October 10th, you know, and I've been, you know, going around on podcasts and the radio promoting it. I've been traveling around. I went to Chicago and gave a speech on it, and then the next day, you just show up to work like nothing happened, and, and nobody <laughs> ever asked me any questions about where I went or what I was doing, just that's so funny. <laughs> yeah, it shows you how much coworkers care. And they're they're good people, but you know, I but, think but I don't I don't ask them detailed questions about their lives either. Really? You know, we're just we're there, we go home, and that's that's just kind of it. So I guess that's so I guess it's so different for us because in the in in our industry, I mean, we're so and now what do you do? What do you, what what is I, uh, can I, I can't give you all the details or right. I will get fired, but I, I just I work in a cubicle just like a lot of people. It's a pretty okay. generic white collar job. So and you're there's not a lot of, of socializing. I mean, you're it, in a cubicle. There, there is. That's the sad thing. There, there is socializing. I just, I don't know. I have like, I, I socialize less than I used to because there's just such large blocks of my life that I can't account for. <laughs> just massive chunks of time, you know. Because you know, like that book. I mean, it took four or five months to write, and then you travel around, remote it. You know, I'm, or I'm on Twitter constantly, especially when I should be working. You know, doing all of these things. Right. And then you want to talk about like what you do at home, and it's like, oh, oh, I guess I uh, watch TV. I, I don't know what 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 do people do? So, so I have to kind of cover for it that way. But I haven't, you know, I haven't slipped up yet. But I'm, it's only a matter of time. I'm just hoping when I do finally get caught that I've I've made it to the point that it's like, you know what, I I don't need this job so much anyway. Wow, there you go. 
Yeah, so we'll see. I, the key is I got to get this uh, this book to sell. That's that's a scary thing, you know. Like you start I, like from the beginning, or the whole idea was I'm going to build up an audience, and then once I actually have you know readers at something, I'll write a book, and it worked out that way. After we talked last time, I think we talked last February or March, last right. April, I went viral and got a ton of followers, and I went viral again six months later, and now I'm up to almost a million. I ended up five agents got in touch with me, and I Holy took one shit. of them and. Wow. We pitched a book and uh, it's going out. It's only dead on the inside. A parent's guide to surviving the zombie apocalypse. It comes out October 10th with Ben Bella books. But it's kind of scary because like before, you know, if things didn't go right or something, it's like, well, you know what? I'm just an amateur at this. What's it matter? There's nothing <laughs> right. at stake. I'll try again tomorrow. But now it's like there's there's stuff at stake. There's like a there's a publisher that believes in me. There's a team yeah. of people working on this. It's like, wow, if I fail now, I'm pretty much letting down everyone who believes in me. You know? <laughs> no, no pressure, but you're only going to you, screw over the people who like you. Yeah, you get to fail in front of nine hundred and sixty one thousand people. Yeah, That's yeah, a there's big a big one. Yeah, and I just I, I I don't know which way people are going like on that. I don't know if they want to support me or if they just think it'd be funnier to watch me crash and burn. And like knowing my followers, it could go either way. <laughs> well, and uh, and and well, so and you're getting. I mean, you you see, you're in the public now. I mean, nine hundred and sixty thousand people is a tremendous amount. And there was one of your tweets that I was reading um, that you wrote bad news for my nine hundred and sixty thousand oh. <laughs> followers, where somebody you know somebody wrote, oh my god, who is this monster? Note to all parents. No one cares about your kids' <laughs> conversations except for you. And you're like, bad news for my $960,000 or followers. So uh, yeah. go ahead. You know, I don't get a lot of that either. I, I think I get a lot less trolling than a lot of other people do. Like, do you, do you get a lot of trolling on oh, social media? Oh, man. I just – I have a bunch of dicks. Yeah, and my I'm, problem is is that I'm not – and I used to get in trouble. Like, I, I had a publicist for a, long, for a while that I was working with when I was really doing a lot of appearances and all that stuff. And, you know, I mean, this was when I was really, truly – like. Like really going for a lot of more of the TV stuff and when I was really running hardcore with TV. Um, and they used to hate me because I, they'd be like, Bri, you cannot tell a guy to go fuck himself after he says that he hates your burger. Like, you know, you just can't do that. And and uh, I'm still me. That's the thing. I, you know, if you know, I have a guy who's out there right now who's talking shit about, I don't know, something because I, I left a bar rescue or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, so so I left three years ago. <laughs> it's not like you know this happened last week so i have a couple of people i've got a stalker uh i've got some fun followers but i also have a tremendous amount of people that i really like yeah even i i just i i've had really good experience on social media i haven't had that many crazy people even that one that tweet you just quoted there like after i posted that that guy got in touch with me he's like hey man i'd never really heard of you but he, you know he was, he was actually pretty respectful after that i was kind of and, and uh i was glad i blocked out his name because i'm to the point now that i can't like call people out or Don't there will be like out. 200 people who will scream at them like call i have I have a good chunk of defenders now, and I, I could bring an angry mob down on somebody. And you know, with the great <laughs> power comes great responsibility. When you bring an angry mob down on somebody, it's just chaos for the next like three days. But but for the most part. People are really nice to me, and I think it's because I come out on the losing end of, like, every joke. Like, yeah. I am the punchline, just me losing over and over again. I think people just see me so beaten down. They're like, there's <laughs> there's nothing worse we can say about this guy. This guy's got it bad enough already, and I think right. they just leave me alone. <laughs> now, now, do you do you, uh, do you you feel that you've kind of formed bonds with people through Twitter or, I mean, any of that? 
Yeah, I have. I, I've met some really cool people. I uh, I wrote scripts for a few years with a guy named Will Rogers. Uh, we never sold anything. But we had a lot of fun doing it. I met him through Twitter. I just started a podcast recently called Wrong and Wronger with Steve Olivas, where we just kind of argue about stupid topics like whether or not it's okay to pee in the shower. And I met him <laughs> through uh, through Twitter. I, I met him well, wait, 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 for a few that? years, and then one day I went and met him in a bar, and I was like, we got to do a podcast, and that was that. What, so what was the final answer on that, though? Well, we, we flip a coin to decide sides, but I got on the non-peeing side, which is okay. what I actually believe. Like, I'm, okay. I'm very anti-peeing in the shower, but I right. found out I'm the only one. Like, yeah, there's in a... the comments, 99% of people were against me. So clearly I am, I am nice. mistaken. Now, so – and you have met people out there on Twitter? Yes, uh, twice. So the, I, I met, oh, wow. I met uh, Steve Olivas, and we got the podcast now. And I also – uh, to promote the book, I went to a librarian convention in Chicago, and there oh. were two or three people on there. I didn't recognize their names from Twitter, but they knew who I was. Oh, that's you know, I'd feel pretty good about that, but it was a room of like 200 people, and three knew me. And they, they, yeah. everybody else, they were there to see the other authors. But you know what? Three is, <laughs> three is better than zero, that's so I'll take bad. it. Okay, so here's the deal. We, uh, y'all, Everybody knows I love my hats. I talk about it every single week. Um, every time I go out, I've got a hat on. I have, this is my obsession. This is my obsession. I have probably 60 hats that hang in my, uh, in my office. I have probably six hats that I keep on a hook in my car so that I can switch them up. I have hats in the restaurant. I have so many hats in the restaurant that when I have somebody to come in to do a stage or do a test, they can I can give them a hat. And they can probably keep that hat. That's the uh, that's my obsession with hats. When I travel for a 4 to 6 day trip, I typically have 10 hats. 6 to 10 hats. Yes, that's obscene. It's obscene. But you know what I love about my hats? One is their individuality, uh, and I get a lot of that individuality that comes through from my boys over there at nogginware.com. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. They pay me. They're, they're sponsors of the show, but the reason why they're sponsors of the show is because I think I like them so much, and they like me so much, so we're good. So go over to nogginware.com. Find out about their monthly subscriptions that they have, okay? Check them out. Free shipping on all of their hats. They do um, unbelievable work done here in the USA. They're really awesome. Old Glory's got to be one of my favorites. The pineapple hat that they have is badass. They do all of my hats for the restaurants and everything else. So, nogginware.com. Put a code in of Chef Bryduff. Tell them I said hello. Scott and the boys are going to put a lid on your head. What, uh, you know, one of the things that I love about Twitter is, is that I actually have formed like personal relationships with people. You know, I have a lot of people that I talk to on maybe not a daily basis, but a weekly basis that I have met on Twitter that I just think are super cool people. And I've done appearances through Twitter. And, uh, you know, I really, and it's funny how you start to see them over and over again. I've got a friend of mine in Denver who I met through Twitter, and he just offered me tickets to, you know, an Eagles game. Wow, you know, and he's like, "Hey, I'm, I don't think I'm going to be in town, so if you, you know, if you feel like coming out, come on out and come to a D, an Eagles game." You know, like, I mean, so it's kind of funny with that stuff that that you start to form those, especially. I mean, you got a lot of people you got to follow back to as well. 
Yeah, and you got to kind of screen it out now, too, especially uh, <laughs> right now is kind of a rough time on Twitter. It seems like ha- it, I don't remember it being this way a few years ago, but if you just like scroll through your general timeline, it's like 90 percent of the tweets are just people yelling at each other about politics. It's like, wow, Dude, gotta- I don't know if you're reading my mind or not, but yesterday I posted. What did I just say? I just posted something about this. I said uh, something like, I I remember when it was fun to be on Twitter. Like, there's just no, you know, like, what's going on? Everybody's just so angry, it seems like. Yeah, and I, and people, that they'll get quick bursts by making a political joke about this or that. And I've always stayed away from it. And I I think it helps, because I think there's a large audience out there that's just very burned out on the constant back and forth of politics. And especially when you go politics, like I've got a million followers. If I if I take one side or the other on an issue, I mean instantly you lose half the crowd. It just there's yeah. no there's no winning on that. And I know there are people who do a very good job on that or picking one side. But I mean I, I, I joke about my kids. I mean it's pretty it's pretty PG stuff. And sometimes people still get offended somehow. I had somebody one day block me because I let my kids eat corn dogs. I mean, people oh, are, are kind of ridiculous sometimes. But for the most part, I think I, 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 I'm I, pretty inoffensive on that. Yeah. Yeah, It's I, I remember when uh, during the initial stages of the election and all that. And, and, and look, I, I don't – you know, I voted for who I voted for because I wanted to see something happen. That's how it goes with me. So, but I remember sitting, uh, you know, I was, I, I had posted back and forth. I never posted one or the other. I was posting stuff that I thought was funny and it would, and I, I got to a point that I would post something funny about Trump and it would be like, you're an asshole. I'm unfollowing you. Yeah. You know, I, <laughs> the morning after I posted a tweet I was very proud of. It was uh, I said this was a unique election. Half the country made the wrong choice. Yeah. <laughs> the other half did too. Yeah. And I thought how who can get offended by this? It's just saying we don't have two great candidates. I lost right. 400 followers off of that. Yes. 400 people yeah, off a joke that didn't pick either one. It's like I, I could have made that joke no matter who was running. I'll probably yeah. make that joke again in 4 or 3 years or 2 years however far <laughs> we are from an election. But and I, I'll I, lose another 400. But followers. you know what at that point I don't, I, I think we're we're, we're becoming de. Some of us are becoming desensitized to it. Like, I, you know, I mean, I, I remember the day of the election. I was standing in line, and I said that I voted for Trump. So if you hate me, rock and roll. I hate you too. Okay, I, I, that's you know, like it's too bad. It's politics. We're not talking about the fact that I said that your mother smells. I said I voted for Trump, um, and I was standing in line, and uh, and a guy. There were a bunch of people talking, and somebody. You know, said, oh, I voted for Hillary or whatever. And somebody and, and I said, oh, well, you know, I voted for Trump. I didn't think, you know, I, I, I and I like very quickly just said something. This guy looks at me. He's like, what are you, an asshole? Oh, jeez. And I, and I stopped for a second and I looked at him. I said, you do realize that this is real life. Like this isn't Facebook. <laughs> We're standing in front of each other and you just called me an asshole. And he's like, well, anybody who votes for Trump must be an asshole. And I said, yeah, oh okay, gosh. cool. So I'm the asshole in this situation. I gotcha. Uh, and, th- and then I just kind of dropped it. And, you know, I went in, I went about my way and bought my Reese's Pieces and, and you know, a, bir- a birthday card. Who knows what it was? Yeah. But but it was it, – it, 
I don't know. It's just weird, man. It's it's so negative with all of you that. You figure every single election. I mean, that you know, one side win and one side loses, but it's usually pretty close to fifty percent, sure. with one or two percent breaking the other way. So no matter what, you know, half the country disagrees with you. And after the election, I mean, we're all still in the same country. Same you country. have to be able to function together. Yeah. And I guess I, you know, I, I know I'm in a red state over here, but like the, I guess the circles I run in, it's it's been pretty mellow this last election. Nobody was real excited about anybody. So I think. Luckily, I haven't seen a lot of yelling in real life, but on the internet, holy cow, there's uh, plenty of it to go around. Well, uh, and I tweet him. So oh, do I, you? I, well, you know what? He's tweeting, so I'm going to tweet him back. And, and I remember <laughs> one day he was saying, talking shit about Obama or whatever it was. And I said, hey, brother, just you won. Like, we're good. We don't need to keep going with this. I said, you won. Now exercise your right and let's make some good choices. You know, and, and that was kind of the end of it. Now, uh, you know. I didn't get a reply back, but, but you know what? I didn't get a reply back, but I didn't give him shit. I mean, I got a guy right here who's like, you you know, <laughs> you didn't reply back to me. Why not? I'm sorry. I apologize. I have a job and a life. I don't have, you know, it's not my job to be on Twitter right now. So, yeah. um, a, go, ahead. go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no. It's uh, he he Trump must read some of the tweets though. I every once in a while there'd be a celebrity who proudly proclaims that he blocked them, and it's like holy cow! Just yeah. you, can you imagine having the president of the United States just like read your <laughs> tweets and <laughs> think about what's on my timeline? Well, yeah, and he must be doing it. What did I see the other day, the other day that out of out of the 170 days that he's been in office or whatever it is that he has spent 37 of those. So 30, whatever it was like 37 percent of that was uh, on the golf course. And they were giving him shit for how much golf he played. And they were starting to uh, compare him to Obama, saying, well, at this point in Obama's, you know, uh, while Obama was in office, he was only out of the office 27%. But it was like, is this what we've come to, that we just have to constantly just rip people apart for everything that they do? Yeah, I don't, I, I, I don't know. And I mean, maybe it's perspective. I remember I remember the Bush Gore election still. That was the first one I really followed closely. I remember there being a lot of anger back then. But that was before that was before, you know, Twitter and Facebook right. and all of that. So I kind of wonder if we had Twitter and Facebook back then, if it would be just as bad or if maybe people are equally terrible. And now we just see more of them because of social media. Like maybe this Exa is just who exactly. we are. That's what I was going to say, because now now we hide behind it. And I actually did something today called I do I do a hashtag every now and then called hashtag life behind your it's life behind a screen yeah it's a life behind a, a computer it's a life behind a phone so we don't have that filter or that immediate reaction to see in somebody's face where in this case you know in the in the election during you know during that Gore Bush era we were TV it was everything was in that TV world now we're instantaneous yeah, you know, where you're I, looking at it and you're like, oh, well, and your immediate thought is now I'm going to put that onto a screen and send it out. <laughs> There's no I, filter. I ponder that sometimes, like when I write a tweet or a joke or whatever, like yeah, so how many people actually see that? And like what bothers me the most is Twitter has an option where you can get an alert. 
like it like makes your phone ring or buzz or oh light up God, when I tweet no. something. And I kind of like the idea of I send out a joke and it's in the great, great river of tweets and you see it when you hop on or whatever. But like the fact that there's probably at least a couple hundred people who every time I write something, their phone buzzes, buzzes. right that instant oh, yeah. and they pull it out. It's like that's that's a lot of pressure. That's kind of mind boggling <laughs> when you think about it. Like, should I have that much power? Should I be able to bother this many people at once? Seven time? dead, seven dead on I-95 at 447 <laughs> in the afternoon and you're going, what time did I send that tweet? Please let it not Please be don't let it be time. my fault. Is that what really the last thing on that guy's screen before he hit the center median? Yeah. Probably be a bad joke. I'd delete it anyway. <laughs> you died for nothing. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh, man. Shit. That sucks. Um, you know, I, I, I pay attention 80% of the time. Driving? No, no, no. Well, that too. But I to, to what I'm what I'm really posting. Oh, you yeah. know, I, I try not to think too much into it because if if I if I do, then I'm not being me in that situation. Yeah, it's it's important to to stay with what you you know kind of the brand you build up or what you go in. Like I I do kid jokes now, and I I, I have to pretty much I pretty well lock myself into that. Sure. I, I remember like I went back to some of my old tweets, and I used to uh, before I kind of refined my style and built up such an audience. Like I used to swear all the time, right? And I loved the internet because I never swore in real life growing up. I didn't swear in front of my wife and kids, but Twitter was the place where I could go and swear. Right. And then as I built up. An audience i had to stop yeah. it's like you, the freedom kind of goes away because i built this large family-friendly audience sure. it's like is it really worth it to lose the followers over dropping an f-bomb here or there so yeah. I, i'll have to start a new fake account just so i can swear again <laughs> I, have a fa- I have a fake account as well so Angry i love my fake account Big fan of it because I can really say whatever I want and, and not have to worry about it at all. So, but I, but I, I never, you know, I did. I, I never thought about that with you. I remember that there was one time uh, that I had said something in whatever fuck or whatever it was, and somebody re- like sent me a message and said, you know, we are a group of Christian this and that and with children and all the other stuff and like. And it was actually a, re- a response back to something that I had said. It wasn't a private message. It was over Twitter or whatever it was. Oh, yeah. And I remember replying back and saying – and she said, like, I have two kids that are under the age, you know, that are seven and five. And I replied back and said, why are your seven and five-year-olds following me on Twitter? <laughs> you know, like, what, what, like it, it's that's your responsibility then as a parent to make sure that your children don't see that stuff. I don't, I don't remember that. The craziest one I ran into, um, I, I posted a picture of my one-year-old reading a, a Disney picture book of Rapunzel, and it was the part where Rapunzel and the guy, I don't remember what his name is, they kiss. And it was like, it wasn't even a picture focus on that, it was just a picture of my kid reading or pretending to read, and you could barely just see the kiss. And somebody freaked out at me. They are like, I can't believe you would let your kids observe this filth. And I was like, really? It's a, it's a Disney book. It's this is a rated book. G movie. This is a small grade picture of a scene from a rated g movie but some people are really extreme about that but you know what there's a i feel like if if that is blowing his mind like i'd hate for him to discover what else was out there on the internet i mean it's a downhill slope really fast if my part of the internet's too risque for you you're in for a bad time yeah no yeah i agree i agree man i don't know it's just a it's just a weird world 
and 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 when you're in that eye and you've got i mean you've got a million people that are following you but I, but your stuff is really your stuff's good and it's lighthearted and it's stuff that we all see on a daily basis and you put a nice twist to it and i think that's that's what appeals to people it's never it, it, it's it's stuff that everybody can relate to when you read about my kids you're not really reading about my kids you're reading about your kids you think about the time that your right. kids said or did something for that and i've kind of found that there's never anything that's like too weird to have somebody else's kid done have done no matter what it is somebody else's kid has done that no matter what's been eaten or inserted or swallowed or thrown up we've all been there and so that's it's kind of like a science experiment for this for me at this point it's like how how far can I go to find something that nobody else can relate to? And I just, I can't do it at this point. I think Ed, no matter how bad my kids screw up, somebody else has been there first, but yeah, Hey, they're all still alive. So I got that going for me. Your, your, your kids are cute too, dude. Yeah. I, I can thank my wife for that. It certainly yeah. doesn't, it doesn't hurt things at all. Uh... They don't, they don't look anything like me and they've kind of got, <laughs> people get a kick out of their descending hair color. Their hair goes from darkest to lightest all the way down. My youngest is almost completely blonde, but I, I have a feeling they're all gonna, as they get older, their hair is going to darken and they're going to start to look slightly more like me. And I just, I feel horrible <laughs> for them, for the, for the genes I gave them that will ruin their lives. Now, now how do you think this is going to move forward from here, I mean, you know, my girls, when I take a picture of them, it's, well, let me see the picture before you post it. Yeah, I wonder how that's going to go, too. I mean, that's one of the reasons I'm, I'm glad I'm branching out into books now um, is the, it's kind of a step back from, you know, the the direct situations with my kids to kind of a more general idea of parenting. And, and that's one way I think I can go to kind of kind of branch out into other kinds of writing that for, at first I'll write parenting books and then maybe branch into non-parenting books. But I, I think that I, I want to keep my kids on as collaborators. I, I try to make them very aware of what we're doing. My people ask me all the time, do your kids know about about this and and they do know I mean I, I pay them when I make money I give them their cut I mean I, I've got probably the only one-year-old out there who got a w-2 last year I mean I I try to be fair to my children wow. so that when they get out there you know they're not you know it's not like one of those uh, you know like TV show people who are who are left destitute because their parents right. took everything so hopefully I can help them out some that way but also like when they when they draw pictures that I turn into comics or when they help me out with an ad campaign or whatever I just make sure they know what we're doing this for you know we're we're working together here we're a team and that you know you guys without me without this following we won't be able to do anything and me without you we couldn't do anything we've got to all work together and that usually works for one or two of them i just i just need a few to cooperate at a time i gave that speech today and one of the three kids or one of the four kids was just having nothing to do with it and that's like that's okay <laughs> that's why i had so many because you can just if you can just get a few to cooperate at a time you're still in business so we'll have to have to see how that goes forward. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I, it, it, we'll see. I, I like uh, one of their teachers last year, my oldest, her, her teacher figured out who she was no. from Twitter. I guess she her teacher already followed me and then like halfway through the year figured out, wow, this kid's in my class. Right. I better, I better watch what I say about my kid all of a sudden. It's, I don't want to get my child suspended or expelled here. There's uh, there's a woman in where I live. Uh, I can't. I think it's Mainline Wife. Mainline wife, I think, is her name. And there was a time when – and she's completely anonymous. You have no idea who she is. Uh, she never takes – you know, she'll take a picture of the ba- – you know, like a corner of one of her kids' faces or, you know, her sitting in front of a glass of wine. You know, so mm-hmm. you never really know who she is or what she looks like. And I remember we were at uh, like an assembly, you know, like one of these back-to-school night things. 
and she tweets back to school night, you know, Lower Marion School District or whatever it is, and I immediately replied, and she replied back to me something to the effect, like, I see you. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, that's not fair. And I'm looking at everybody in the whole, you know, I'm looking through an entire auditorium. I'm basically standing up at this point, trying to find out who's tweeting me. And it was, it was infuriating. Like I was getting angry. I'm like, all right, where the hell is this woman? You know, but it was, it was funny to watch. Cause I, cause some of the shit that she posts is just completely off the wall. Oh, but, really? I mean, your picture is right up there front and center. I mean, that's, you yeah. know, and then you've got your kids in this pictures as well. People, people are pretty nosy. They warn me all the time that my family is going to get murdered off the internet. I feel like I feel like we're pretty safe. Nobody has tracked us down yet. People have, right. if they're trying, they're not doing a very good job. But when I started out, um, I had an anonymous picture. It was a picture of me in a trench coat putting up my hand, blocking out the camera way back when. But I think, I think to move forward, I mean, eventually you've got to get your face out there. I mean, sure. now that I've got this book out there, you can't be an anonymous guy writing books. It's really hard. You can't go, you can't go to an assembly of librarians or whoever you're giving a speech to and like wear a mask. I mean, at some point, <laughs> right. if if you're going to make a living off this, you've got to, you've got to put your you face on it. And, sure. and and I did that. It, it and it, I think. You know, why they haven't found me at work yet, as I've discovered, I just look very generic. I mean, I just look like every other 32-year-old white guy out there. Like, you put me in a lineup with 12 other guys, and you can't pick me out. And that's to my advantage. I'm kind of anonymously famous at the same time. And it uh, it's a weird double world that I go online and I say something every time I say something, you know, 80 or 90,000 people see it. Right. And then I say something in my own house and everybody just ignores me. So it kind of <laughs> brings you back to reality really quick. But it's so true. So true. You have such an uh, we have we have immediate responses from the people that we don't know. And then our family is like, yeah, so great shoes, dad. <laughs> great shoes. It's, it's amazing how unimpressive I am to all of it, them. It really, the same really thing is. in my household, man. And it's so funny. Like even my girls, you know, I, I mean, I, I have a restaurant in Philly and, and I spent a lot of time in there. And uh, and it, it's so funny because I'll walk through the dining room and people want to take pictures and, you know, they want to talk to you about the show and they want to, they want, you know, they want to meet you. And that's the way that it works. And I, and I love it. I love the people that come into the restaurant. I have no problem like taking pictures and stuff. And I'll walk back over and my daughter will be like, yeah. You've got dirt all over your shirt, <laughs> you know, or there's like, you know, you've got flour on your face and, you know, they're so funny because they're just so unimpressed with anything you want to do. So I feel like I'm trying to impress my family more than anybody else at this point. You know, my 16 and and 13 year old, I got to I got to keep them on their toes and I got to be on mine to do it. So, yeah, that's my dream is to impress my kids. I don't I don't think I'll yeah. ever get that far. And I, I got my, my wife doesn't care so much if I put the you know, even though my kids are cute. I mean, it, it's again, you go to daycare and there's, you know, 16 other kids with long right. brown hair. They, they blend right in with it's it's real hard to pick us out in a crowd it doesn't really happen in real life but my <laughs> wife gets picky about as i take pictures of the kids and it's the cutest picture ever and my wife's like well the house is a mess and it's like i'm not oh, gonna dude, pick up the so entire fun. house so every true. time i take a picture i yeah. can't do it no especially with four kids that are running around it's the way yeah. the way that they are sure there would, there would never be a picture taken we just have a picture blackout <laughs> but you know what the other part about that is and this is this is something to think about you and your wife have four kids that are under the age of seven years old and people that are reading your tweets and people that are following you, they know that. Yeah. This is not, this is not, you know, John and Kate plus eight where they've got a full-time housekeeper who's running around (laughs) making sure that all the clothes are folded and color coordinated. You guys are just trying to get breakfast on the table and get them out to school. 
Exactly. And it adds to my authenticity. And I think that helps. Like every time I just kind of fail at life, it's like, well, that's that's my brand at this point, just underachieving yeah. as a human being. So every time I fall short, that's OK. It just moves me a little bit further down. It's kind of it's inversely proportional. Like the more you fail at real life, the more you succeed at Twitter. So the fact that I have almost a million <laughs> followers really tells yeah. you how my life is going. Yeah, it's true, dude. It's so funny. Well, and it's funny because I think a lot of people, you know, in this world, I mean, my girls, I have to be careful with them. I say, you know, they say to me, oh, Dad, go and like my picture. I need to get as many likes as possible. And then there's that, you know, there's that morality that comes into it. And I'm like, girls, hold on. It's not about how many likes you get. <laughs> Meanwhile, at the same time, I'm like, you know, having a conversation with an agent or a producer an hour earlier being like, well, you know, I've got over 100,000 between this, this and this and going there. So, yeah. you know, I mean, and, and then I'm telling my girls it's not about likes. Yeah, so. that, that's an interesting conversation because it doesn't matter, but it does matter yes. at the same time. Like as you as you get up there, like when people look for deals and things, they look at your numbers and they judge you. There's a score. And I think Absolutely. in some ways, like, you know, you do stand up comedy or something else like that. You tell a joke and you get laughter and that's it. But, you know, like on Twitter, you get a point system. Like here's people laugh, but how Absolutely. many people laugh? Let's quantify it now. Yeah. So it's a very, very different beast. Yeah. So now when you do your stuff, I mean, are you, are, are I mean, because you've really grown, I mean, you've, you've made massive, I believe when we talked last time you were around 200,000. Yeah, you have a very good memory or very good notes, but yes, I was, that's exactly where I was. Yeah. I've, I've actually got a very good memory about the weirdest things and I'm crazy <laughs> about numbers, man. I remember my first girlfriend's phone number. Wow. And actually, oddly enough, I saw her yesterday afternoon driving around the minivan, still hot as shit. <laughs> driving around in a minivan um but so uh you know two hundred thousand followers now i just lost my train of thought on that one um you know so it's a big i mean that's a big growth so are you running it now more like a business you know, I, had are you... to, I had to go down that route. I, I got in touch with lawyers and formed a, a corporation and or not, yeah. or a, a LLC, whatever it is. I got a P.O. box so I could, you know, receive stuff from people without right. giving away my home address and getting murdered. Like I had to right. I had to finally take some of those steps and it took a while and it took some, took some startup costs. But now that I'm up and running, it uh, it makes things a lot easier. So right. now when I get like that first time I went viral, it just kind of caught me off guard. I was totally unprepared for all the attention. But then six or seven months later, I went viral a second time, just the most random way off Facebook. Somebody shared a post that got shared, you know, hundreds of thousands of times. And I had all the infrastructure in place and it was no big deal. Like a media right. outlet contacts you. It's like, oh, just check my biography on my website. You know, here's my contact information. It was, yeah. So. So, yeah, I, I definitely run it easier. And it, it, it simplifies life some. Uh, at the same time, you know, there are trade offs too. it takes away some of the freewheelingness. And it, again, there's there's more pressure there now because again like you know i've got the book and you know i've got to i've got to sell this book because people at the book publisher are you know they're depending on me you know it's not it's not just where if i if i flop for a day and i guess i used to see stand-up comedians do this too i never understood like my friend who was a stand-up comedian if he had a bad day on twitter it just kind of destroyed him and i didn't understand that but now it's like that i'm trying to make sense full time yeah if i if i have a bad day on twitter it's like oh my god I want to do this for a living. How am I going to make this work if I can't have right. a good day on Twitter? So I, I, I get it now. Your whole self-esteem and your your like financial future gets tied up in it. So, uh, but luckily, I have uh, I have enough followers. Even even bad jokes get enough enough likes to kind of satisfy my self-esteem, even if they don't deserve it. But yeah, I definitely have to have to kind of keep my perspective on that now that it's getting more serious. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's big, man. Now, so when you do that, I mean, are you paying attention to the time of day that you're doing stuff? And I mean, is that or have you gone that far into it? Or are you still just kind of impromptu? Like, hey, I have the thought. Now I'm going to post it. I uh, I have certain times of day I post just because of that's when I'm able to work it in around dinner and around work and around the kids. But I tried that timing stuff really early on when I was starting off and you read all the hacks and tips and stuff. And I got to say this. Every single tip I have ever read about Twitter, every single one is wrong, sure. <laughs> including well, it's about interaction. Yeah, it, it's about interaction. And uh, I mean, you get you get small accounts with great numbers and huge accounts with horrible numbers. But for me at this point, my audience is so widely spread and so many people have their notifications on that it doesn't matter what time I tweet. Like the my biggest tweet from yesterday with that that guy who was ripping on me, I think I tweeted that at like um, it was like eleven o'clock at night and it got eight thousand likes. Uh, and at the same time, I could have one, and I had one in the middle of the day in prime time today that didn't do so great. So right. that part doesn't make a difference. It makes a little bit more difference if you're trying to link to something. People like they don't want to take that extra step. They'll read a joke that you post on Twitter directly. They'll read that all day, and it's like, do you want to read this web comic or listen to this podcast? It's literally just one click away, and will take you half a second. No, no, that's the nope. that's the impenetrable barrier. So for stuff like that, yeah, timing makes a bit more difference. But for the rest of it, I just try to do it when I think of it. Nice. Well, good, man. Well, good, dude. Well, I'm super stoked for you, man. I, I, I love, you know, I, I love following you and, and, and I still love reading your tweets, uh, you know, throughout. Um, and uh, so I'm stoked for you. Congratulations, dude. I appreciate that. Thank nice, you. Especially yeah. in the last year. So and I'm glad you reached out and I'm glad we were able to do it tonight. So, um, yeah, you you got me on here quick. I was I was pretty excited. that, well, that, uh, that, that and I'll. Together. I, well, one, I wanted to get you on before the book. That was something that was important to me. I wanted to get you on as soon as possible. And oddly enough, I was interviewing tonight. Uh, you replaced G Love. Whoa! So yeah, G Love uh, was gonna. We were gonna uh, tape tomorrow morning, and uh, his manager called and texted us back and said, "Hey, look, something came up, and you know, can we switch it out?" And that, and I, I immediately said to my assistant, "Like, get James on the phone. <laughs> Let's get him." And it was so. I'm really glad but, that you reached out last night because I'm glad but, to hear that everything's going so well, dude. What you did know was that I'm the one who sabotaged G Love. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. You all of a sudden flew to Philadelphia and you created a personal uh, record at his life i love it yeah, exactly uh, that's, that's you know what you, you got to have the dedication to, to get that done <laughs> yeah, exactly that see that's why you've made that's why you've hit, you're hitting that million mark man <laughs> so uh so tell us tell us everything that we got to know about your book and what's going on and where we can get it and all that good stuff all right so the book is only dead on the inside a parent's guide to surviving the zombie apocalypse it comes out october 10th but it's available for pre-order now you can get it on amazon barnes and noble if you're in canada indiegogo or Indigo, I guess it's just that I added an extra go. Uh, it's coming out in, uh, there's, there's a U.S. version, there's a U.K. version with a different uh, cover and all kinds of extra use added in, awesome. and there's a French version coming out. I haven't I haven't seen that one Get yet, but it is coming. Yeah, it's coming out in French. The French very much would like to survive the zombie apocalypse. I can't <laughs> right. <blame them. laughs> yeah. And so it's a it's a book kind of for the rest of us it's uh it's i didn't want to write a typical parenting book so i added the the extra challenge of raising you know of, of surviving zombies because kids are hard enough in the best of times and i think when you add that extra challenge in there of the end sure. of the world i think a lot of people believe in a crisis their kid is going to get better and buckle down and be a good <laughs> child and, and that's not what's going to happen at all i mean think about how your kid reacts like to just minor adversity like they're not getting cell reception or netflix isn't coming through and it's the end of the world 
It is. Now imagine if, it, if the world actually ends. How is your kid going to react? And how are you going to deal with that? What are you going to do if your child throws a temper tantrum in the middle of the grocery store and the grocery store is also filled with zombies? So that's that's kind of the whole <laughs> premise behind the book. And it's kind of it's it's just kind of fun and lighthearted. It's got uh, lots of comics and graphs and charts and things like that to uh, to keep it light and get the information across quick. So hopefully, hopefully people will buy it because literally my entire future depends on it. So if you're on right, the fence, yeah, exactly. Remember that, remember that pity factor there. I could, I could use the sales. <laughs> nice. So buy the book or else he, he goes broke, everybody. Exactly. It's just the way my it's kids work. are going to be homeless. Don't let my kids be homeless. Yeah, seriously. Um, well, they have enough sleeping bags and guns and Nerf guns and all that stuff, so they're going to be good. <laughs> this I'm is catching true. all that. Yeah, I love going through your stuff. I love seeing the pics, and uh, it, uh, it it brings me back to when my girls were a little bit younger and all the kind of fun stuff that we used to do as well. So, so cheers, man. I'm I'm, I'm stoked for you. I'm proud of you, and uh, you know I'm glad to say that we had the conversation last year, and and you know to see the growth of everything. So. Yeah, there we go. You were you were there on the ground floor. I think I think the uh, your ending comment was like, I feel like that guy's on the on the upswing, and you know what? It worked out. So if you, good. <laughs> you I'll take my like I'll take I'll take all anything, my rights. Right about that one. Put put one in the win <laughs> column for you. Well, cool. Well, James, thanks, man. It was awesome talking to you. Congratulations. Uh, the book's coming out October 10th, everybody. So definitely hop over there on Amazon and pre-order it. Um, take care of uh, take care of a guy. He's got four girls. That's four weddings. That's four college <laughs> tuitions. That's how many more years of school this guy's got to put clothes on their backs. So take care of a brother and take care of him. James, thanks for hopping on, man. I really appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Absolutely, man. Take care. Bye. James Breakwell, I love that guy. He's like an everyday guy. That's what's so cool about him. You know, he's got girls. He's got a job. He's got a wife. He's got all that good stuff. And then he's got this little side world that he lives in of Twitter and his comedy writing. And, you know, he was so funny because I think the first year that we that I talked to him last year, I think he actually told us what he did. Now, it's funny uh, I can't remember how many followers he had. I, I remembered how many followers he had when we talked last time, but I uh, I remember um, uh, I, I remember that, but I don't remember what he did for a living. So uh, so so pretty cool to talk to James and find out that that you know in a, in a year progression he's really moved on and uh, not moved on. He's really grown you know within his business that he's doing. And he always, you know, he said before he wanted to do it as a business. So, um, so more power to you, brother. I'm super stoked for you. Um, I hope that everybody can get out there and, uh, uh, check him out. Um, he's got a super cool book that's coming out. Um, it is called only dead on the inside. This is a parent's guide to surviving the zombie apocalypse. Okay. Um, you can get this on a pre-order from Amazon, Barnes and Noble and Indigo, uh, as well. So, uh, check it out. Um, check out, uh, my buddy over there, James Breakwell. You can follow him at exploding unicorn and that is X ploding P L O D I N G U N I C O R N. So go check out James Breakwell. Have some fun with that. Um, Okay, so big show, hour and a half long. I'm pretty stoked about that, hour and a quarter, whatever it is. Uh, crazy, crazy week in the restaurant, so I'm going to get some sleep tonight. Uh, I'm going to go and uh, go to bed, 
Wake up at uh, 6.15. I got a dentist appointment at 7 a.m. because I got a shit ton of work to do tomorrow. I got a boatload of stuff going on next week with going to New Orleans. I'll be in New Orleans uh, 2, 3, and 4, I believe, um, down there with the boys uh, from Teak. Uh, getting a little, uh, I'm going to get my little party on with those guys. Um, and then I'm heading back. I'll be home in the restaurant for a couple of days. And then I get to head down to North Carolina, uh, down to one of my old clients, uh, a gentleman named uh, Dave, who owns a property called The Quiet Pint. So if you're in Winston-Salem, I'll be in The Quiet Pint for a little while. Uh, they'll also be up at Burke Street Pizza, uh, hanging out with him because we're going to do some financial stuff with those guys. We're going to make a couple of uh, cost of goods things. I'm going to get these guys in the food cost world that I like to live in. Um, from there, I get to head out to uh, Newport Beach, California for the uh, flavor um, conference that goes on out there. I'm going to be doing a little bit of presenting uh, a dish that I created, um, which is done with some uh, Blue Moon and a little bit of Coors. Uh, because I don't know if you guys know, but I do write recipes for those guys as well. I cook with beer. Beer becomes business. I do a lot of fun stuff. So uh, I'm pretty happy about that. And then uh, from there, I'll be in the suburbs of Chicago getting ready to open up Arrow 2 um, in Byron. I'm sorry, Byron, Illinois. Uh, with my clients out there that just run an amazing, amazing concept called Arrow. It's a, gr- a great, I got the hiccups. Damn it. I'm saying something nice, and now I have the hiccups. God damn it. Hold on. By the way, that sound that you hear during all of my shows, that right there, that's my water bottle. I wish I could plug the water bottle because I love this water bottle. Um, it has given me uh, joyous, joyous days and uh, quenching my thirst. I have no idea what the name of it is, but it's the best water bottle that I've used thus far. Um, and I bought it at TJ Maxx for $16. So with that being said, um, I uh, lost my train of thought. Yeah, so I'm heading back. I'm going out to Arrow, get to spend my time with those guys out there. Um, they have three concepts out there that just crush it. One is called The Cave. It's in Byron, Illinois. They have another one called Arrow, which is just awesome. It's a great gastro pub, really tiny, chef's nice, does a good job, creative food. The new menu that I'm putting together for these guys is going to be beautiful. I'm really excited about it. So I will uh, see you guys after that. Then guess what? It's back to school time, man. My girls are going back to school, and this dad, this boy, this guy gets to get back into routine. So Hope you all have a great week. Uh, Do me a favor. Check out the people that I love in this world, RadioInfluence.com, who produces this and puts it all together. They do an amazing job. My website, Miss Michelle, out there at Techno Solutions. Uh, I have to thank our sponsor, Nogginware, for all their hard work. Chef Bride, I'll put that code in. Get a discount. Get some good stuff in a box. Free shipping. They also do um, memberships for it. It's pretty cool. And then my last person I want to thank is the wonderful and always talented Miss Maggie Gagliardi. Mag's Art, you will find her, M-A-G-Z, Art, on Twitter and Instagram. She does all of our promotional pieces that make me so proud to have this little show that we do. So thanks, guys. Awesome talking to you this week. I hope you guys enjoyed this show, and have a great one. Bye-bye. Didn't get Duffified enough? Follow Chef Brian Duffy on Facebook and on Twitter at Chef. B-R-I-D-U-F-F. Look for the blue verified checkmark to get exclusive content and to see what's coming up on next week's show. 
This has been Duffified Live with Chef Brian Duffy on Radio Influence. This is an Ian Beckles flavor in your ear quick fix on Radio Influence. What's going on now in the politics in general to me? Um, I just saw this thing. It was local. And it just, it, it, make me, it made me shake my head. And I don't shake my head that often, but there's this one dude in uh, St. Petersburg. He was running for Congress. Uh, Paul Conjemi was his name. He looked like a horse's ass. Okay, so Paul Conjemi, the dude's name, in St. Petersburg, um, where he's talking about black relations and somebody's talking about uh, injustice of black people. And, black, and he, he came out and said this. Okay, once again, he's a congressman that's running for Congress. He came out and said this, uh, you got your reparate, your guys, your people's reparations came in, in two names, Barack Obama. That was your reparations. Eh. Okay. So because we had a black president ever, then everything is even now. And if you don't think that was racist, he added this, go back to Africa. All right. So. Maybe you thought that maybe it wasn't, uh, yep, running for St. Pete mayor. And Kreisman was there, and uh, this other dude was there. And he said, Kreisman didn't say anything, all right? So I would say, hold up, dude, what? He said, go to TAP International and get a flight and go back to Africa. If you didn't think the, the, the first part was, you know, racist, which you should have, I think it pretty much, you know, rounds it all off with the go back to Africa thing. You can find Ian Beckles Flavor in Your Ear on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and RadioInfluence.com.